Okay, you ready to start this show? Uh, your host of the evening is a really funny dude. Um, I forgot his last name, but I've seen him before. He's really funny. Uh, give it up for Mike. Oh, Coming to you live on tape from the lucky 13th floor of a commercial high-rise in beautiful Beverly Hills adjacent California. From the studios of Sirius XM West, boasting an obstructed view of the world-famous Hollywood sign, this is The Tully Show. I am your host, Mike Tully. Joining me today, and uh, our old friend Kevin Kraft as well, you know him as a Hollywood actor who has appeared in dozens of films, including both the Scream and Scooby-Doo series. What you may not know about him is his passion for Dungeons and Dragons. This November, in conjunction with his company, Beetle and Grimm's, he will unveil the platinum edition of Dungeons and Dragons Waterdeep Dragon Heist. Hello and welcome. Welcome, Matthew Lillard. Love a guest who comes in hot. Baby, I've been drunk since noon. <laughs> That's a lie. I'm not drunk. But we can get Let I mean, it's would you serious. Care? Would we you can care do whatever we want. I mean, we've got some Clorox disinfecting wipes we could suck on. Nice. That might pack a buzz. That would. I'm interested. I've got club soda. It's not which, the same thing. Which is more than Europe can say. They've actually got a crazy CO2 shortage. Hmm. Would they like some of ours? <laughs> I, just, I just thought we should have let that hang even longer. <laughs> um, why do they have? I mean, who, who? How do you make CO two? What? Where is it? What tree does that come from? Photosynthesis. I skipped like twelve paragraphs through before I finally gave up and realized that I didn't care all that deeply no. about why they were not going to have Sprite this summer. Ooh, Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, you don't play, do you? You're too hip. I see it in your eyes. I tried once. No, just once? You yeah. didn't play as a kid? No, I was a kid the one time I tried. Yeah. And it was over my buddy's house and his um, older brother, who I thought was like a cool dude, a guy I looked up to. Sure. Like, I went into it favorably disposed towards it because the older brother was like, Where'd you, you grow up? Uh, Rutherford, New Jersey. Oh. Suburban okay. New Jersey, mall country just outside of New York. Sure. And I did it, and it didn't make a strong impression on me one way or another. So there are people who are super pro, and then there are people who have, you know, who are anti or have whatever pre misconceptions about it. I'm open to being open to Dungeons and Dragons, and you, you, well, we, we on our side of the table appreciate your openness <laughs> to accepting us. Did you, you ever play? I've played. Just three just times. Lie to me. Just three lie times. To me. Three, and it was all as an adult on my podcast. Oh, wow. Um, we had a dude who wrote us specific campaigns to play for being first-timers. And it, it worked out great. And, you know, it had to be an abbreviated version to fit within, I think they were three-hour episodes. But um, the only reason I never played it is I was kind of, I, f I feel cheated that a, a really cool piece of my nerdy childhood didn't get to happen. Oh, I had yeah. no friends that played D&D, &D, and you can't exactly play it by yourself. Where did you grow up? Uh, a little... More south, I think, in Jersey. Wow, you're both Jersey guys. Yeah. Right? And you didn't play D&D. &D. No. You're too hip. You're too cool. That too is cool? absolutely not the case. I am I am a giant nerd. No, I was really? too, I'm not too cool for anything. Well, you should play now. I mean, there's a whole renaissance of people playing the game now. It's like there is this golden era of D&D 2.0. I mean, it's a I had really a, great time to play the game. I had a great time playing it. Well, why don't you keep playing? Don't you have fr What do you do now on the weekends? <sighs> Mostly just fuck off. <laughs> 
Well, you should play. I D&D. play video games. I play video games. You I do. read comics. Do, yeah. Now, are you are you a Fortnite guy? Yes. I don't. I can't do it. I couldn't get I know, into it either. I know I'll start and then I'll just like a crackhead. I'll never stop. Same here. I'm afraid with almost every video game at that Pokemon Go that I'm gonna. I'm not gonna actually really enjoy it, but I'm gonna not be able to stop anyway because it's so addictive. Does right. that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, for sure. For that's sure. kind of why I've never picked up Warcraft. Oh yeah, but that's... I, I see my my doom. Yeah, looking at that game. I have many friends that have lost months of their lives at a time. That would Warcraft. be me if yeah. I tried. Yeah. Uh, yeah, D&D. Sorry, we were off topic. You were not. No, we're on topic. There is no topic. You were uh, not a teenage Dungeons & Dragons person, right? No, I did. Look, I played as a kid. I mean, I grew up in an era where you would jump on a bike and drive, you know, ride your bike down to the hobby store, and we were Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, which was the first iteration of the game we would pick up and play. I mean, but we were, you know, we would go and we'd play football for a day, and then we'd play war for a day, and then we'd play tank minis in the backyard, and then that game with the football players that rattled. Remember that? That was so awful, and I, I would never give up on it. I always thought months it was going to kind of work. Yeah, months at a time we'd play that game. It was football played with vibrations. Yeah, yeah which is really creepy. <laughs> Do you even really know what we're weird. talking about? Yeah, but I, I never I never played it. Good no, for you. And where are you good. from, Matthew? I grew up outside of Detroit, a little town called Brighton. And then Orange County. So I was, when I was playing Dungeons & Dragons, I was in Orange County, California. But so then I played as a kid, and then in high school, when most people stopped, I stopped. And then I started playing again as an, uh, as an acting student in New York. And I played with four of my best friends at the time. And this was in lieu of a, a Super Bowl viewing party? Yeah, so we were, instead of going to the Super Bowl party... Um, we watched the Super Bowl and then decided to play Dungeons and Dragons, which to, by the way, now we've played for 27 years and we're all these guys that are, you know, happily married and have kids and are sort of having our own version of a midlife crisis. We can't afford a Ferrari. So we started a Dungeons and Dragons (laughs) company. It's not like that movie Tag where you've been playing the same Dungeons and Dragons campaign for 27 years, is it? No, but in that time we've probably played three big campaigns. Wow. So we just played one for seven years. Holy shit! That's a long. I mean, look, it's it's that. Look, we don't play that often because we have you know jobs and families, and you know we just don't get a chance to play that often. So, um, and the same person has to be dungeon masters through the yeah, whole thing. Yeah, pretty much. We've we, there's a couple of, like there's five of us, and there's a couple guys that play every now and then to give the the main guy the, a break. Okay, just so he's not stuck as yeah, dungeon so master for seven the straight whole years. Time. Yeah, yeah, but there's a you know. This is, by the way, all your viewers are now, or listeners are all clicking off. But we uh, oh, no. we do it nude, so we do it naked with women. So <laughs> we try cocaine, and then we play Dungeons and Dragons for hours. <laughs> we binge D&D on coke. Well, so for people like <laughs> listeners and like myself, as I said, I played one time, I kind of sort of got the idea. How do you explain the game? How, how would you pitch the game to an adult who is thinking about oh, taking up good. Dungeons and Dragons? Look, I, I think it's the antithesis of what you get on social network, right? On, on uh Facebook or on Twitter. I mean, you're engaged, you're sitting around a table and you're telling a story for hours at a time. It's like, it's like a communal story. And like, you know, you play these characters that are on epic journeys. I mean, you're trying to do something as these characters that are akin to words like, you know, like heroic journeys. So it's, you know, Conan the Barbarian, the movie, or Star Wars, the movie, like in a board game. It's not a board game. It's a it's a, it's a a cooperative story that happens for years at a time. The one time that I played, I felt like the Dungeon Master kind of had too much power. Like it was, if that person had wanted to sort of tilt it one way or the other, it was way too easy for them to do that since yeah. they could make up so much of it. 
That seems you could, like a- yeah, you could. I mean, you just have to. I mean, that's not really. I mean, the dungeon. I would. I would say that that's not really their objective. So a good DM tells a great story, and everyone has pitfalls and moments of glory. And you know, his job isn't to like destroy you. Right. Know, it's weird, but you know, but the, yeah. So yeah, but it's you know, look in that game, you can choose to do anything you want. I mean, the, and the DM, a great DM, sort of goes with it and rolls rolls with the punches. So, I know this sounds weird. I mean, well, I, I can't. You're both looking at me like I'm trying to pitch D and D. Why is it exciting? I, I think the reason D and D is exciting is that you're sitting around a table hanging out. I mean, look, you you bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. You're hanging out. You're ordering pizza. You're like, you know, most guys look at my age. You're going to a bar, or you're going to go sit and watch football, or look. All those things are great, and we do those things. But there's a moment where you come back together and you play this cooperative story that is way more exciting it's imagination it's engagement it's like doing i don't know it's everything that you love about a video game instead of visual it's like it's using your imagination well i mean the the whole mechanics of D was the foundation for role-playing games when it moved over to video games yeah i mean that's sort of like you know i was in a movie called wing commander i like to drop the movies that i'm in as many times as i can during an interview <laughs> have at it but Wing, there I was in Wing Commander. But Wing Commander, <laughs> the great thing about Wing Commander, Wing Commander was the first game. Chris Roberts was like taking a character, and you played a character through the entire journey of that character's life. So instead of getting a high score, it became about telling a story. Yeah, right. And that was sort of the first iteration of those, like, of, of following those characters. Well, that's like, yeah, like Final Fantasy games, like RPGs. They are essentially just a more linear D and D. Yeah, you're you're going on these random battles. Your attacks are basically the computer is just behind the scenes without you knowing it, rolling a die for how much your attack is or whether you miss. Yeah, it's the same shit. It's, it's just more. It's this, but here's what I'll say. It's, I like this conversation because I'm like, why is why do I think D and D is better? It, the same way that you read a book and you're like, wow, this book's incredible, and you see it interpreted. On a screen, you're like, ah, it's not anywhere near as good. Yeah. The thing about Dungeons and Dragons is that the depth in which you're engaged in a group level is is just better than that visual two dimensional form on a video game. And it's a group activity. Yeah, and you're, you're playing, playing like six, you're playing Final hours. Fantasy by yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or versus playing D and D with a bunch of your buddies, you're going to be goofing off but and bullshitting as But that's well the thing as... about Fortnite that's so scary. Fortnite, you're actually playing with your buddies. You're playing with people all over the world. It feels like camaraderie and fellowship and hanging out, but it's not, right? It's like you're still a video game alone in some... Yeah, it's definitely more impersonal. Somewhere. Yeah, you're alone together. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So this sounds like it's very dependent on you need to... Have, like, the cooler your friends are, the more interesting your friends are, the more talented your friends are, the better this is. If your friends kind of suck, it sounds like your D&D might too. Yeah, I mean, look, you definitely have to have somebody willing in, in, to engage in imagination, which is a big word that people who are grown-ups don't usually like. I mean, if you ask a kid to play war or play Star Wars, they're like, I mean, it's like on. So at some point in our progression as adults, we lose the capacity to imagine and have fun. And the thing about D&D is that it is all about unlocking those little barriers of telling story and pretending and I don't know. It's it's a different level of engagement. So yeah, if you sit around with a bunch of guys that are too cool for school, you're not gonna have a great game. But if you have a bunch of guys that can be like or women, you know, whoever is playing, go, This is awesome and sort of double up and engage deeper, you're gonna have a great experience. Okay, here's a dumb, maybe insulting question. Do you 
ever play kind of like in character? Like, do you ever say, instead so, of like, yeah. oh, my guy's going to do this, you go, well, then henceforth Hang we go. Hang on, my friend. <laughs> no, good gentleman. I am, yes, yes. I play with an, I play with actors. So we, you know, I, we play, we definitely jump into that space. And it's so funny. When I say it out loud in front of you guys, I feel stupid. But it is, I'm wearing a Hellboy shirt. You don't have to feel good, yeah. stupid about okay, saying good. anything. No, but there is that thing of like you, like you, when you engage, look, we, that's what we do. Look, I play with, I play with five guys. Two of us are always in character. Like the bigger, the bodier, the stupider, the more brash, the more sort of ignorant, like the funnier the voice, all of that happens. Two guys I play with, these two brothers, the Rayor brothers, don't necessarily play voices, but they do play, a, like they make choices. Does that make sense? Like, so in, in anything like this, the more you jump in, the more you engage, the more specific you are, the, the more fun it is. So they definitely make choices, but they're not out there. Like, I have a, I have a dwarf. He's Beetle. <laughs> he talks like this. So I talk like that the whole night, which is stupid. When I stay, again, in the light of day, it feels odd. No way. I... If, it, if it makes your D&D campaign more fun, then it's not stupid at all. I mean, the, I just the... want to hug you. I just want to <laughs> hug you. I want to bro. I'm, I'm like, kidding. Yeah, no, no, go ahead. Let's do it. Let's talk it out, all, dude. Touch him all you want. <laughs> like when, when we played D and D on my podcast, it was the first time I had ever played it. My friend wrote a specific campaign because you can go out and you can buy a pamphlet, right? To, that's just a constructed campaign for you, and a DM will just interpret it as as they go. My friend wrote something custom for me and my infantile sense of humor. Sure. And one of the first encounters. We had one of the first problems we had to solve. Someone fell in a pit and got paralyzed. So every turn, someone tried something new to free them from the curse. Out of frustration, I I was like, I'm wasting my turn. I'm taking a dump on his head. I'm just going to hang my ass over the edge of the pit and poop on him. Did you do that in character? Yes. I go method. I actually (laughs) pooped on the floor of my own apartment. So he was like, okay, well, do this proper. (laughs) I know that I'm not a, I'm an, an ambassador, but you don't have to poop on the... <laughs> Listen, Matthew, you play it your way and let Kevin play it. Yeah, that's all right. I'm not judging. I'm just creeped out. I wish we never hugged. <laughs> I get that a lot. So the DM was like, okay, do this the right way. Roll the die. So I roll it, and he's like, okay, that was successful. You've pooped, and the curse is broken. And we were like, how? And he's like, well, the when I wrote this, all you had to do was self-sacrifice. Somebody had to go in there and the passage of your hand reaching down to help your frozen comrade, that was what I wanted. But you found a loophole. You pooped and some of your DNA went in there and that counts. Your Could, poop broke the spell. Can I ask you a question? How many turns did you try to get him out? <laughs> like, didn't you at least first start to reach in for him? Like, did, like there are basic levels you could have passed before... Yeah. Is this plan A or is I mean, this plan F? I mean, it just feels F? like, oh, I would my say friend's H. fallen. Let's reach down to help him. I think everybody thought that there was a curse where if you passed, you would also uh, sure. be trapped. All right. Fair so enough. everybody was a little gun shy. I was the bravest. Yeah. So that we have, so you, so creating that dungeon, Dungeons and Dragons, Wizards of the Coast, twice, three times a year, produces a book. And our company, what our company does is we actually produced a box version of that adventure. So when you're talking about like producing an adventure, like they do that. And then what we do is we provide a box that sort of gives you an elevated gaming experience. So it's like the box set? 
It's exactly the pitch. The pitch, the first time we heard it, our buddy, my buddy Bill was like, it's like if you love Pearl Jam, you buy the record. But if you really love them, you'll buy the box set. And that's what we are. So this is the platinum edition of Dungeons and Dragons Water Deep Dragon Heist. What is the specific wrinkle of this form of Dungeons and Dragons? With, with the specific wrinkle of what? Like, like Water Deep. Dragon. Oh, so there's so yeah. So Dungeon Dragons is releasing an adventure. Uh So every like two or three times a year, they release a you know a fifty dollar book that has three hundred pages, and it's an adventure to take you through. This particular adventure is like first through fifth level. So we are, and it all takes place in Waterdeep. So that's basically all I can say about the adventure because it's all super under wraps. But so what we're doing is our box is about. If you were a DM, right, and you yep. were to open our box, the elements you're pulling out of our box is going to make your DMing experience, the game experience, elevated. So you got battle maps. Yo, you're gonna list it. I love it. Yes. I got, I got bullets. Look at go. You go. You got encounter cards. You're gonna yeah, need yeah. lots of those. Lots of encounter cards. <laughs> the encounter cards are like you know you're you run in this is you run into like a a dragon, and then he takes the encounter card and puts it. On the DM screen, and on one side, there's a picture of the dragon, and on the other side is the stat stat block. So the players can't see the stats, right? Exactly, but you get to see the the art. Like we're gonna break out all the art. We're gonna, you know, there's minis, so that we have right now we have eight battle maps planned. We have 22 miniature figures that are in it. We've got the encounter cards. We've got art that's being curated, especially for the box. We're breaking out all the art that's in the module. Um, we're breaking the module up into five to seven workable books. We have like elements that we're creating. So in the game, if somebody comes across a ransom note, instead of the DM saying, you find a ransom note, here's what it says, blah, blah, bloop, bloop. We're actually going to create that ransom note out of parchment with calligraphy. Oh, and that's awesome. The DM can then hand you the ransom note. So there's these elements that we're creating to try to elevate the game. Sounds like it's... Uh... High class production. It's the idea. I mean, that's the idea. Look, our idea is that we're middle aged dudes. We well, we don't have in time to create an incredible experience. We have five hundred bucks amongst the five of us, right? So usually a game's played between four and seven people. If everyone kicks in money, you can buy this box experience. There's only a thousand of them made, so they're highly curated, sort of killer little boxes of fun. Right. It's like when you get to that point in your life where you graduate from box wine and you still hang out with the same friends, but you actually like respect yourselves enough to get a decent bottle yeah, of wine. Yeah, yeah. Or or it's or it's like or we're just talking about doing um your own gardening, right? Or your own lawn care. I when I first bought a house, bought a lawnmower and I managed to take care of my grass and my all of that. The older I got, the more I was like, Oh, you know what, I can pay guys to do it. It's a value. I mean, that time value. I mean, I'd rather pay somebody to do it. This sounds really <laughs> elitist, but you, you like you can pay somebody to take care of your lawn. You're like, oh, I'd rather pay them than do it myself. Yeah, I don't know if that's just like a Southern California thing, but my wife and I were having that conversation. And she was like, no matter what we talked about with the home, she just allotted for a gardener. And I was like, you do realize theoretically it is possible could for, do it. for us yeah, to yeah, trim these 100%. things. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, you really would have thought that I'd said we were going to install our own plumbing or something. <laughs> is she Southern Californian? Uh, she's from she's Japan, Jersey? actually, oh, she is, and then right by on. way of Milwaukee. But she's been here long enough that she's... Mind melded with the Southern California right culture. So, what do you? What is your? Is that elitist? Does it sound? I mean, it sounds yes. elitist. Is it like just assuming that you'd rather pay somebody to do your lawn? 
Well, I think everybody would rather pay somebody to do it. Most people. But most people, but isn't that what kids do back east? I mean, when in Detroit, we would go around house to house and wash cars. See, I wonder is that a is that a regional thing or is that a a, a time socioeconomic thing? thing? Well, but because like I used to go around and I was a paper boy, right? And I was the last generation that was a paper boy before we got replaced by the dudes who drove around in cars. Sure, you know, so sure. that's not like a kid job anymore. It wasn't a New Jersey thing; that was a 1980s thing, right? I don't know that there are too many kids that think it's a square deal to shovel a bunch of houses all day to go home with 14 bucks. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah, I, I walk dogs. I just had this routine with all the old ladies in my neighborhood, and I just walked all their dogs for like a dollar or two dollars a pop, and that's how I saved up and bought my Super Nintendo games. Is that? I don't know if uh, that's I good. don't know if kids these days. They do don't do that. No, do they do that? But they cash. don't do it in Southern California. Do they do it in other parts of the world? I mean, the United States. So if you're in Texas, do you have, like, are you going around, or or, or in Minnesota, are you going and and doing, you know, clean, cleaning snow off people's um, walkways? If you do, I'm going to guess that you have like one of the pusher things. blower. Things. Yeah, I don't. Even a kid would have the blower. Nobody, no kid is shoveling that anymore. Like oh. inflation just can't keep pace with uh, you know i think you know you have, that's you what's wrong with Matthew. the world yeah that's oh what's God, wrong yeah. with the world well there's a lot of things wrong, that's with, the world, wrong with the world but that's one of god them god damn it <laughs> bitch. It's tough. You, you have kids i try to yeah, make my kid do many things children for, how many how many up to <laughs> i have three but it feels like a hundred <laughs> i'll tell you the best thing i've ever done in my life so we send our kids to camp and the first time i picked them up from camp i was like did you like that did you have fun was it good i mean there's two of them so the third one just went this summer the like, fun? She's like, yeah, it was the greatest time ever. Good. You want to go back next year? I can't wait. Good. You're going to have to pay for half of it. And they're <laughs> crickets. I was like, you're going to have to pay for half of camp. And um, so they had to earn points equivalent to half of paying for camp. So, and it was easy to earn points. You can always earn points. They have to help you make the ransom notes for the D and D campaign. <laughs> Were they painting figurines? That's, they have to paint each figurine is one point faster, faster. Twenty thousand points, 20, and you go to camp. Points. There you go. It's no problem. Um, but the uh, it's funny. The first meeting we had with Dungeons and Dragons, like we'll just have the kids put it together in the garage. <laughs> uh, you can't do that, sir. Made in the USA. But they're kids. They're kids. That's what they do. They love to paint. Yeah. Um, but now, so they did it. First year, they paid for half. Second year, they'd pay for the whole thing. And then this year, their third year, they had to. Well, the first year was free. The second, this is the fourth year. So this year, I made them organize, create, and organize their own charity event. So they had to, they picked the charity, they created the event, they hosted the whole thing. And all proceeds went to the charity, and they had to do the whole thing by themselves. What what causes dear to the hearts of eleven year olds? I'm days? glad you asked. Um, so there's a uh, organization in Pasadena called Club Twenty One, which is for kids with Down syndrome. It's like a day not a daycare, but it's like um, it's like a rec center, a play once a month play center for kids and for their families to get together. So my girls have volunteered there, and so this year they hosted an art exhibit. And uh, musical performance by kids, by high school kids and junior high school kids. And people came to this. Yeah, and- yeah, they raised money the whole nine yards. It was got awesome. a bunch of points. It was, and they got all the points they could ever possibly want, and they made us proud. Yeah, they- were, it, was, it was super cool. But that's the thing where if you give them something to fight for, if you give them something that they want, and leave it at the end of the stick, and you know, there's, 
you can take points away. You can add points for great. Right. And that's the thing is like you can clear the table, and that's ten points if I ask you. But if you do it by yourself, it's twenty five. So they're all of a sudden like, oh, I can make more points by being proactive and helping other people. This sounds a little Dungeons and Dragons-y, actually, the way you've gamified. I was, you've gamified I was just... your entire home. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. There are no swords. There are no <laughs> dice rolls. I was just process- processing that in my head because I was like, wow, I'm, I'm just thinking about the shit my family could have gotten me to do. If there yeah. were the points, I mean, that was my whole life. All I wanted to do was gather points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the whole thing. If you, But you have to give them something that they want. The problem is that so many kids these days have, you know, have, have everything they want and those phones really, the phones are the, the big problem, I think. Are you, so Cause you're, they, you're Yeah, because I, th- I do think the kids are super, like, they're engaged all the time, right? It's only in boredom do you, like, you, do you start to want something, I don't know. For me, like, when I was a kid, I was bored, I want, you know, you'd want a new bike. Right. Yeah, because you're bored and you all of a sudden, you're like, oh, I want that. And then you would have to work towards something. But now they're always sort of not, never bored. I'm never bored anymore. I only realized that like a year or two ago. I'm really, there's so many TV shows I'll never get to. There's so many books I want to read. I'm not bored. Right. I'm but actually. Kids, but kids, as a summer, you would be bored, wouldn't you? Out of my skull. And you know what? Matt, right. I'm, I'm making it my business to bore the fuck out of my six year old <laughs> this summer. He's at home with his grandmother right now, just wondering why. <laughs> I'll teach you, you son of a bitch <laughs> my mom had a thing only boring people get bored so i was right. like super like what i don't want to be boring but i'm so bored yeah yeah i can't remember the last time i was bored well so, put your phone down i know if you put your phone down if you stop the damn phone i know i've said this like eight times i feel like a grumpy old man no but it's true really the boredom is like you know you're you're pooping and you're reading your stupid feed and all of a sudden now you've been on the toilet for 45 minutes i finally made that switch i used to be a toilet magazine reader and then i found myself bringing the phone instead yeah. and i'm a much less dignified bathroom person now i could respect myself a little bit when i was reading the new yorker but yeah, yeah, yeah. Once... no not more. no 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 and now there's no more magazines I'm doing my best to keep them alive, but oh, I, I don't That's know that good. my I don't know that my thirty dollars per year is is going to keep them alive. Really. <laughs> yeah, I got a stack of hustlers in my bathroom. <laughs> that is not you. Do not. No, I don't. No. Was last, remember Nudie magazines? Those oh, were yeah. awesome. Those were great. Those were my childhood adventures. Those were really awesome. Ride our bike to Quick Check. You'd buy them? No, you go in the dumpster. No, because when the new mags come in, they rip the covers off. Of say the any penthouse that month that didn't sell, they send the covers back to the company, and I guess they get some sort of reimbursement, and then they throw the good bits right in the trash. So we kind of had a schedule worked out. We scoped the quick check out. That's terrible. We knew when the new porn That's was coming. Ter- That's my one terrible. friend had a, a tree fort constructed relatively nearby. Yeah, yeah. And then we just stand around, look, look at, at the them. pictures with our awkward little boners. We had no idea what to do with. Yeah, we used to get them torn up. It's such a cliche, but it was literally true up on the train tracks. You would? You just kind of knew that you could find, <laughs> like, there would be empty, you know, broken bottles, of like small bottles, pint bottles of, like, Jack Daniels or Southern Comfort or something and torn up porn. Wow. And that just seemed like the natural place that, like, an, a cool adult would discard them. That's a yeah. great, like, that's the life reality. of a hobo right there. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It was just Give a weird Give me a bottle hobo. of Jack and the Hustler for June. I mean, that, that sounds awesome. And, like, where is the closest train tracks? <laughs> Static needs relief. I mean, I don't know what I don't know when that starts. And then you have to tell the other hobos. Yeah, you know right? what I do. 
<laughs> it's like, oh, we know. We found your empty bottle of Jack yeah. and torn up hustle. Where are we... your local tracks? The station? No, no, no. no not no, the no. station. Far away. Somewhere in the woods. <laughs> which is exactly, real creepy. Which is exactly where this was. Yeah. Thank, thank God we never, hap- we never happened upon him yeah. <laughs> before he, he discarded them. Well, you would yeah. hold on to those magazines for as long as possible. Like, I would, I remember, mm-hmm. I mean, I never got anything as glorious as a hustler, but I had some Playboys that I held on for years. Yeah, because you never knew you never when knew you might when need the next one. one was coming. Yeah. I held on to photos of women who were still clothed. That's how desperate I was. Like, like Lita Ford. Wow. The musician would just, you just like pose in like a bikini in a metal magazine. And I'm like, really? So you just had enough. torn pages from Hit Parader? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, interspersed with actual nudes that I'd gotten That's up at the crazy. train tracks. <laughs> and now it's a really different ballgame. Lita for... Ford is definitely a different ballgame. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, now in our kids yeah. talking about the phone. It's creepy. Because it was kind of a natural, sure. and I'm sure, like to our parents, that was super weird because they didn't have any access to porn whatsoever when they were little kids. But just to go full bore into everything all the time at the you know click of a couple buttons is no bueno. I don't even know how to. There's lots of shit with my kid that I'm like ready to kind of take head on. Like I'm talking about cursing. He right. heard me on the radio for the first time for 15 seconds and heard me say fuck. Oh, and he's gosh. like, I heard you say the f word, and I know he's like only six, but I'm like, dude, you know what? People say this word. It's not cool. I never say it to my mom and dad. I'll never say it to my boss, which is a total lie, but as far as he knows. And I'm like, and you don't say it to anybody. It's a grown-up word. That's just the way it is. And I may be wrong, but I feel like he can handle that. Sure. I don't know how in three years we're going to be on. Okay, so, you know, uh, you know, fisting is a thing that's out there. Oh, do not and Google I fisting. Do not ever look at fisting. <laughs> just talking about it makes me creep out. Um, I... So we cuss all the time. I've always cussed. Mm-hmm. And my mom cussed like a sailor. Every bad word I ever got, I got from my mom. So we cuss my family. My whole thing is like, you have to be smart enough to know that you can't say that shit. You cannot cuss in front of other people. That's You just can't. Um, but the porn thing is, you know, you just, you lay in. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. I mean, that's Faces of Death. Do you remember Faces of Death? I always avoided it. I yeah, was well yeah. aware of it, but never watched. Boy, it. I remembered it. I mean, yeah, I, you know, I remember watching a video like, "What? That person's dead." That was that was terrible. Yeah, now we got Instagram. A, yeah, a, a buddy. Now of it mine is Instagram. You're right. Rented it when we were, I don't know, eleven or twelve. We got five minutes in. We were like, "This this was a bad idea. Let's, the bad. let's eject this." Bad, God, yeah. bad. Yeah, the the crew of kids that actually made it through that was a kid that you know you hung out with once or twice, and you're like, and they're like, "Let's go," you know. Want to go kill frogs? <laughs> no, yeah, kill. no, I'm uh, good. It really was. And yeah, I can remember weird. when the we were all like, little kids are all kind of the same. They all like Transformers and whatever. And I remember when the guy came along and was like, you know, it'd be really fun, though, if we got some mice from the pet store that you're supposed to feed to uh, snakes and instead we'll just throw them out of a tree. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that guy's a prison mm, guard no, now. No, is he really? That guy is a prison well, I'll guard tell you, now. So funny, the guy, um, one of the guys, when I was young, my dad started a company, and he had somebody that worked. He had two people that worked for him. Whose kid w- would go? We would go down to their house all the time, with family friends. And that kid ended up killing his wife. And we would play Dungeons and Dragons together. So we would play D and D together. And he was way. He was like probably ten years older than me, and I was. I was probably nine. And he was like seventeen, eighteen. He ended up killing his wife. And I'm not blaming Dungeons and Dragons, but he was—he played a lot of D and D. 
I mean, well, whether, I, I, think, I think it depends on what was the manner of the murder. Was it a... It was... Uh, it bludgeoned was, with a 20-sided die. I don't really... You know, nobody ever really talked about it in the family, but I think that it was a jealousy, drug, and uh, drug sort of moment. Looking back, do you remember any telltale signs when you played D and D with him? He was always, was he always a like weird dibs cat. on goblin. He was always a weird cat. He was a he was a he was a skinhead. A very you know, I was young. I was probably that's not true. I was probably like thirteen, fourteen. I knew what a skinhead was, and he was a skinhead, and he was a legit skinhead, a like you know, sort of white power skinhead. And you're like, oh, this isn't good. Well, yeah. It's a different kind of. I don't know really what's changed about because whatever nerd culture. I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but you know, geek stuff. We that used to really be like Stranger Things does a really good job of capturing the kind of kids that used to be into that sure. sort of stuff, and it's just not. It's just not like that anymore. You know, you can be a mainstream normal person and like what used to be really geeky yeah. stuff, which is cool. I mean, I think that look, I I do think that this has become a generation of the, is the, the internet has made you can fly your freak flag any which way you want, and people are going to find. Find it and celebrate it. You're, you know, whoever you are can be who you are. Certainly in Southern California, I don't know if that's true in all four corners of our great country, but in Southern California, if you're transgender, gay, straight, it doesn't matter, geek, nerd, science, whatever you are, you can be that thing in, in strength. And I think it's super. I mean, it's a super powerful. Yeah. Well, well, it's at least a lifeline out of if you're like I love the um, it gets better campaign yeah. for like young gay people where they're just like yeah I know it sucks being which maybe it doesn't even suck being the gay kid in high school now like it did when we were in school I don't know I'd like to think in a lot of places it's gotten at least a little bit better sure, you, you think know. but then all of a sudden you're like man I don't know I mean I do think the world is so divided right now yeah it's like you know I mean today as of today. The Supreme Court Kennedy resigned, mm-hmm. you know, was retiring. Yep. And all of a sudden you're like, now Roe v. Wade Is that comes, back in play? It comes back into play. Yeah. And also it's okay to discriminate against, you know, you don't want to make a cake for two gay men. That's okay discrimination. Like, you yeah. know, I mean, it's a, it's a really, you know, we are, we take for granted our civil liberties and I just, I think they're going to become in question in our lifetime. Wouldn't be the first time in human history that there was a yeah. free society that went backwards. We've kind of, I think, all grew up with the assumption that we just get freer and freer and more liberal and more liberal, and I think we've seen that that's not something you can totally take for granted. I do think, at least in regard to the specific gay stuff, people have gotten way more accepting. The vast majority of Americans are for okay sure. with, with gay I marriage. Agree. And that's why the rabble rousers who like to push the buttons moved on to all the transgender stuff. Right, sure. And that's the bathrooms and stuff because it's like they know they can't even rile people up with the gay stuff God, anymore. But if you're like a weird kid somewhere and, I mean, like really unusual and and you're the only person who's into this weird thing or whatever, you used to really wonder, is there something wrong with me? Yeah, yeah. You go online and you find out that this band, that this insane thing that you like has, you know, 80,000 followers on Instagram. And that's, sure. that's got to mean, that's got to mean a lot to yeah. these people. Yeah, and uh, it, it gives, there's so much strength in it. Yeah. You know, and you, these uh, figures, I mean, growing up, there was no gay celebrities. There was like the Jim Neighbors character or the, what's his name? Who is the guy? Oh, I'm never going to remember. Who's the guy? There was a, a root, like, um, oh. Oh, I know. Jim J. Bullock? Jim, Jim J. Bullock. Yeah. From, he was like, uh, you know. Too the, close for comfort. Yes. Oh, my God. I love I ha- you so I had much. my suspicions like, I love about you that so guy. Much. Yeah. You're like, oh, that's the gay. That's the, he's, but that was the only sort of role that you had to. I don't know. 
And it that didn't one missed me, something. I think. Yeah. Oh, you never was, watched? Yeah. He was, no. it was in, set in San Francisco, and so, and, yeah, and, and he they needed a foil for, yeah. for Ted Knight. That's so funny. How do you remember that? That's so good. Cosmic Cow. Yeah, yeah. Was the, the comic, comic strip, strip that he wrote. And he had he two daughters, right? Yeah. It was basically Three's Company. Yeah. I think the first gay character I got introduced to in pop culture as a kid was um, Hollywood and Mannequin. And it didn't even register that that was a gay guy. I was like, oh, he acts like my grandma. (laughs) And then it was only like later on in life. I was like, oh, okay. That makes sense now. There was a long period of time where you could be like act uh, flamboyantly, obviously gay. So long as when push came to shove, you didn't like own it. No, and they never showed it on TV. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. like I'm, I haven't, I'm not even sure if I've ever seen Mannequin, which is weird because I watch '80s movies a lot. But like, he didn't have like a boyfriend in that movie, did he? He made a reference to when uh, the guy was trying to reveal that he's with a mannequin that comes to life when no one's looking. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, that's <laughs> he was like, mm, "Well, I'll go get my GI Joe. And we can double date." <laughs> it was stuff like that, and I was like, "Why does he want to go on a date I don't with GI Joe?" That. But that's, that's still funny. fairly subtle, because yeah, like Freddie Mercury was literally singing for a band called Queen. Oh yeah, but the song was "Fat Bottom Girls," and weren't that's people funny. shocked by Liberace when he came out? Yes, they were. As a matter of fact, I know that not only did my grandmother, who died when I was three, I barely knew her, but I'm told not only did she watch his TV show every Sunday night, she put on her pearls to wow. watch it on television to honor him. God bless it. Is yeah. she was she New Jersey? Mm-hmm. Huh? Yeah, that's awesome. Well, now I mean, now if you use the wrong personal pronoun with my kids you have an issue like him versus her trans versus by bi- non-binary like there's an incredible performer mal blum who is gender neutral and when you can't say him or her like he's uh she's uh like my kids will not stand for that like the idea of identifying somebody with a gender um, label they can't they're like they're standing up as if they're defending the civil I mean they're defending that person's civil rights yes do you know what I mean and, and yeah. for me it is literally an old man thing where I'm like well she's uh, him's <laughs> right them's or they, no they or they is the the proper I mean I, it's and it's, re- it's really hard to talk about this performer without using any kind of gender identification yeah, it's I think hard. the 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 gender neutral binary non-binary I think the, what what is they saying there's like seven, 37 genders now or something like that. Is that true? I, some I, I I think I remember hearing that number. I think this was um, one of these things that Fox News got on where something an application somewhere or something like that. Uh, right. <laughs> Excuse me, it had 37 chip boxes that you could potentially check and they're like, "Oh, here we go. Now we went from 2 to 3 and now there's 37." Right. And okay. as it as it, you know, as things naturally tend to do they become more accepting so yeah if if you are if you were born as a male but you identify as a woman you're transgender i have no problem calling you she and like the non-binary i will call is it they they prefer there's no he or she it's they yes and look and i am all about Respecting that person's journey. 100%. Sure, if that makes you feel better, why not? It I'm not going to be a cocksucker to you. Yeah, but it's, but, but sometimes it's it's hard to sort of get your head around. I don't know, but I do think that that is 
like an ageism thing. Like you're like, I don't I have a hard time doing it. I just and wonder how it's going to affect when it's finally embraced fully by the um, Spanish community because the whole language is built on words ending in A or O defining feminine or masculine. That's a whole that's thing. That's going to be very tricky. Like I said, I, I read magazines and occasionally <laughs> I still open them. That's a thing in France now. Oh, because yeah? they have lots of words that are ma- like um, yeah, the, the whole word, language is built upon the it. word like professor just so happens to be a masculine noun. The uh, word right. president just so happens to be masculine. A lot of like good jobs and good titles just so happen to be masculine. And there's this new wave of women who are like, I'm law professor. Fuck off. And then the French actually have like the literal academy of the language that sets the official rules. And they're like, no, you're not law professor. It's it's still a masculine word, even when you're a lady. And they're trying to figure that out. And it's just another big mess. We got a lot of big cultural messes happening. It's not just in America. <laughs> no, it's good. <clears throat> this like is a it. wild time. Yeah, it's wild. This really is like one of the. Uh, this is. But do you think? But do you think like in the '60s where they're like, wait a sec, what is this rock and roll? Or the fifties, and they're like, "This Elvis kid is." I mean, don't they? They thought it was a crazy time. Yeah. I mean, we look back and like, "Oh, it's so naive." I think that the kids look at us and sometimes with this whole gender identification thing, they're like, "What are you talking? Like, you're so old." I think what makes it a little bit different, it just seems to me, and I don't even know how well I can explain this, that we just don't have that top-down culture where people can have their feedback and people can call you know uh, you used to just filter things through a bunch of media companies and they ultimately made the decision of what we were going to talk about and the terms that the debate were going to be framed or whatever and it didn't matter if everybody personally disagreed with that they didn't have any way to voice that back to them every single thing that happens on Twitter if 500,000 people which is a small number in the scheme of things have an issue with any element of the conversation and I'll see little things like to me little things maybe i'm an old man where somebody be like uh oh uh come and talk to the girls about sure getting, and people are like whoa 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 why has it got to be the girls they're women and right, is that sure. job really gender specific and there used to be a million individual voices who might feel that way about an issue but now they all actually have a voice they can sure. share it publicly and they get in the mix and they really are starting to frame the debate. Yeah. Oh, well, look at the Million Women March. I mean, the most powerful thing to happen in this country, I think, certainly for my kids, was the, that march when a million women showed up and all of a sudden in every city around the world, people are taking to the streets. And, you know, and it's sort of a throwback, right? It's a 60s sort of moment and we're going to revolutionize this moment. Um, but it's it was so powerful the way it sort of changed the dynamic of my kids. I mean, my my kid went on three marches last year and I was like, how was, you know, the gun safety and the Stoneman Douglas thing and, and, uh, you know, March for our lives. I said, how was the March? And she's my, my oldest like, it's okay. It wasn't as good as the women's March. And I'm like, that's incredible. You are just like a piece of history that you're in the middle of, in the middle of marching and trying to make change instead of being on Twitter, Mm -hmm. you know, and sort of adding to this, sort of I don't know it's like an empty it's an empty and that's the thing about social media that's crazy is that you know you'll be you'll be spitting angry and you'll be throwing out all these things and at the end of the day it doesn't mean anything but taking to the streets and hopefully demonstrating in that way yeah I mean the marches it was super powerful I'd, I'd hope that the next step for us because clearly there was a lot of um, pent up energy 
that people felt about, you know, where what our society is and where it's going and where it should be going. And the way that that energy is being expressed at the moment is seemingly pretty counterproductive. And, and I would say that the dialogue has gotten really ugly and that's starting exactly that started at the top in, in, in the White House. But <clears throat> maybe I'm uh, naive or an idealist, but fundamentally, I think we. Americans are a lot more similar than they realize, and you could focus on the differences all day, but we we all kind of want to live in the same basic kind of just free society, and if the next step would be, okay, now we all care that we're really passionate about this, let's figure out a way to work towards things and work together on things rather than expressing it as, you have your march and I have mine. And If you took 50 Democrats and 50 Republicans, you stuck them in the same room, Mm -hmm. and put on some music, and gave everyone a beer, and you waited an hour... Like, we would all realize we're Americans. Yeah. Right? But the idea of, again, going back to the one person in his room playing his video game is the same person like, this makes me spitting angry. There's <laughs> n- you can get spitting angry because you don't have to talk to somebody. Yeah. Like, you know, the things that I get back on social media because of being, a, you know, quote unquote celebrity are like, dude, what are you, like, who are you? Who? You would never say that to me as a human being in any situation. You would never walk up to me to a bar and read that tweet that you just... You would never say that to my face. So why would you take that moment to say it online? I mean, it's... What it, do you get? You're like one of the most likable I'm people. I'm the nicest guy in the world. <laughs> I am the nicest guy in the world. But you'll get things like... Look, I, my whole thing is... On social media, I try to keep it real. Look, I, I like... I have tons of friends who are Republicans. I have family that voted for Trump. I have Orange County. Grown up from Orange County. County. Yes. Yeah, and right. also, like, you know, I, I grew up... I'm a blue-collar kid from Detroit. Like, I have, like, all facets of my life. And I have no problem whatever political party you have. Like, I respect your journey. It doesn't matter to me. Same way I respect anyone's opportunity to love whoever they like. Dude, kumbaya. Like, I'm all for goodness. Um... But, you know, uh, recent actions and things that are happening and this thing about kids on the border. I mean, you it's really hard to have a kid and look at those moments and be like, what are we doing? What are we doing as a country? This isn't a country. Look, I serve the USO. So I, I just got back from the, the border of Turkey and Syria serving the U.S. military. Really? Yes. I travel all the time for the USO to get out to the people who are on the front lines protecting our country to say thank you. I have the mission. It goes like this. I say to every single one of them, my job is to tell you we love you and thank you for protecting our family. The second thing I want you to know is I take back from the front lines to our people back home and saying we are good. Our country is safe. We are being protected by people that are the best at what they do, and there's nothing even close to what we have in the world compared to what the American military is. So, look, the idea that politics is now to the point where we're going to use kids to play games, to get votes, to to manipulate things, to build a wall, is so disgusting to me. That, you know, you, there's kids out there protecting our family. I mean, there's we're just so far away from being pure what our country's built on. And, you know, so in those moments, like now I'm starting to say, dude, this has to stop. So meaning, so I'm now getting political and in political, the trolls of the other side are using that to sort of come back and like, you know, say terrible things. That's who's saying bad things about me. I just, I literally just bounced around a whole circle of shit to talk about. And we're We're, back. We're so far from Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, which uh, people can pre-order the platinum edition of Dungeons and Dragons Water Deep Dragon Heist at BeetleandGrims.com. Nice. Thank you. 
I'm going to awkwardly segue back to what you were just talking about, though. Syria. I mean, oh, yeah, I, I yeah. don't know anybody who's been there. How, what's that like? I wasn't in Syria. I just like to say I was close to Syria. How close were you? Uh, I was in a Black Hawk helicopter, you know, going from the main base in, in Turkey to outward operating bases. What so. sense did you get? Because uh, that seems like a really, I mean, bad situation. Yeah, it was no, no win kind of situation. So I've been to um, Insulik twice. I think it's Insulik twice. Um, the first time I was there, we were taking a tour of the. Uh, it's a it's a joint um, air force base. So it's a, so Turkey has half of the runways, and we have half the runways. We or we or we we share the air the runways with Turkey. And we're taking a tour of the base with the CEO, the operating officer of the, the the commanding officer of the base. And all of a sudden, the guy on the Turkish side, because it's literally divided in half, of the um, the radar room was like started yelling something and yelling something. And the interpreter said, "Well, we've got two inbound MIGs, two Russian MIGs coming and challenging the airspace of Turkey." So you're watching this huge radar, and the commander's like, "Well, you see these two blips right here. Here's the here's the border, and he, they're challenging. They're incoming into our air force, into our space. And a C-130 was coming to land. And so as he's sitting there, I was he's, he's sitting there, and I was I was like, this is terrifying. Um, he's like, all right, let's uh, let's pull the C-130 off. And so the, uh, he like you know they went into action, like he moved forward. All of a sudden, the C-130 is about to land takes and banks off and they scrambled two F-14s to intercept the MiGs. And there was a high-ranking Turkish official on the base who took off in a Blackhawk. So it was like, it was, you know, eight minutes of like, oh, this, not eight minutes, six minutes of like, wow, craziness. At the border, they split off and the MiGs turned around and so is that just what they did? They just came back kind of fuck with each other all day long to remind yeah, each other they can there's a lot I mean we were I'll tell you so we were on these um, these are Matt Lillard stories but we were on these Apaches uh, not Blackhawks we were on these Apaches and as we were going we had Chalk 1 and Chalk 2 and we're on Chalk 1 and all of a sudden Chalk 2 behind us starts deploying um, countermeasures so phosphorus and flares which means that they got a lock on, which means, you know, somebody's locking onto them. And the next thing you know, in our headsets in the back of this Blackhawk, you hear this woman miss a lock on and we deploy flares. So that's a scary moment when you're oh on <laughs> you're on a helicopter and you're deploying counter flares um, so you don't get blown up. It's no fun. Now, it wasn't, we weren't locked on. It was just a, either somebody screwing with us or... yeah. Oh, oh, bad signature, but enough we're of a fine. taste to give yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, enough of you to make you poop your panties. That's terrifying enough. Yeah, yeah, that was not. It was not a. Wasn't that awesome? That wasn't awesome. <laughs> well, uh, that is not where I expected this conversation to there go. We go. When we yeah. started uh, fifty minutes ago, our time is just about up. Thank you so much for yeah, your time. Thanks. You're an interesting guy. I got a lot. I got a lot to say. I'll come back tomorrow. Yeah, we didn't even get to talk about uh, Ghoulies 3. No, damn it. <laughs> Son of a bitch. I am on a TV show. I'm on NBC Good Girls. Okay. Which starts in the fall, and you guys should watch that because it's Oh, cool. yeah. Okay, and they can also pre-order the Platinum Edition of Dungeons & Dragons Waterdeep Dragon Heist at BeetleAndGrims.com, or I'm sure they can just get the link at your Twitter, at Matthew Lillard. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, bro.